Father, we just thank you once again this morning. Lord, we come to the ministry of the word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would open the eyes of our heart, grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we will understand your ways, that we will understand who you are. But Lord, that we'll be taught and learn of the Lord. You said, Lord, all your children will be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of your children. And even as we, Father, meditate upon your word, let your Holy Spirit teach all of us your ways, show us your paths and lead us into the way of everlasting life. That end I pray that you would bless even the speaking and the hearing of the word and anoint all of us. We thank you, we praise you for in Jesus' name. Amen. So, 30, 31 of Isaiah chapter 40. Let's read that and we will go into today's word from there. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up their, with their with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. That's what we've been looking at. Our walk of faith, which is a long walk, it's not straightforward. In a sense, um, it's a long obedience in a single direction. We understood it as the patient acquisition of virtue. To sustain our interest until the end. He who endures till the end will be saved. Like we were talking to pastor in the morning before he prayed. He was saying, God is testing our endurance. Will we get irritated and give up halfway to this entire process? Or will we endure? Endure till the end. Therefore, our walk is something which is important to God. And what does our walk reveal is what we looked at yesterday. Okay, our walk reveals so many things about us. So we went for a walk yesterday and we looked at some aspects as to how to mend that walk and how to um, to ensure that uh, our walk uh, will be in keeping with what God has called us to be in the new covenant. If you turn with me to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, you will understand what it is. It says, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. That is just the way Jesus walked. That is the way we are called to walk. And we looked at uh, the book of Proverbs primarily, the old covenant, and especially the book of Proverbs, simply because it's a kind of a new covenant book in the old covenant. And uh, we showed through different scriptures as to what the walk signifies and what the walk reveals in our heart. This morning we will uh, see how to walk in the new covenant. Essentially, how to ensure that we keep walking the straight and narrow path um, without giving up. So what are the truths that we have to keep on affirming in our lives in order to ensure that we don't give up halfway? That we keep on, keeping on. I'm of course indebted to um, 
um, Watchman Nee's book on his commentary on the book of Ephesians. It's titled as Sit, Walk, Stand. Okay. How does a Christian walk first? He doesn't walk. He sits. There's a, it's a spiritual posture. Sit, walk, and then finally stand. Stand against the wiles of the enemy. Seated in Christ Jesus. And then in the between sitting and standing, there is a walking. If you turn with me to Luke's Gospel chapter 15, let's read from verse 17 to 19 first. This is of course the parable of the prodigal son. Everybody knows the story. We have looked at it in so many times, but let us look at it once more. But when he came to himself, or when he came to his senses, and I will say, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and uh, enough bread enough and to spare and i perish with hunger i will rise i will arise and go to my father and will say to him father i have sinned against heaven and before you this is what he's rehearsing i have sinned against heaven and before you i am no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your hired servants. That's what his 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 lines were. This is what he was going to rehearse before the father. Or rather, repeat before the father and he is rehearsing his lines. And then of course he moves and he goes, let's say, let's read from verse 20. Um, look at where uh, the Holy Spirit stops his speech. And he arose and came to his father, but when, his, when he was still a great way of, uh, way off, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And what did he say after that? Before? Make me like one of your... Father said, stop there, enough. What was he saying? Relax. You don't have to do one thing to earn my favor. Okay. Stop there. Isn't it interesting, isn't it? How, what he says to himself and when he comes to the father, where the father stops him. See, this is how Christian life starts. Lord, I am not worthy to be called your son. So let me now work and earn your forgiveness. <laughs> Sorry. We don't deserve anything from God. Let me become a little better. That's exactly how we do it, right? Before when we were, I was very young in the Lord. I think it was few days before my baptism or maybe a few days after my baptism or so. I don't exactly remember. But I used to fall, let's say, into sin. And then what would, what would I do? Okay, let me not sin for a few more days. And after I have done that, I will go and ask God for forgiveness. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> this is how Christian, I mean, a lo lot of people fall into this trap. Okay. First, let me get my life in order. And then I will go to God, ask for forgiveness, and then move on. God says, you don't have to do one thing. That is how Christian life starts. Christian life starts with absolute total acceptance without anything from your part. 
Okay. But the father <laughs> said, what did he say? Verse 20. But the father said, uh, 21, so, and the, uh, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf. It says next verse. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to be merry. This is the beginning of our Christian life. Okay, not one thing. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. It's exactly what he, what happened. Father accepted him. He didn't say, okay, now go, go there. Let me see how, how much you have repented. Let me check your repentance. Nothing. Let me see how remorseful you are. Okay. Break some thousand coconuts. Nothing. Nothing of that sort. Okay. You don't have to do one thing to earn my favor. The very fact. This is essentially how Christian life starts. It starts from being accepted by God. We don't do one thing to earn God's acceptance. How different it is in the world. Okay. You have to do really, really well to be accepted in any university, right? Okay. If you want to get into, let's say, a top school in 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 the world, let's say Caltech. I'm only always going back to Caltech. Okay, I don't want to go to East Coast. We'll go to West Coast. Okay, Caltech or Berkeley or Stanford. Okay, so you have to really have strong credentials in order to be accepted. But God's in God's school. First of all, you are accepted without any of your merit, and then you begin to grow in Him. That's how different it is. That is what Scripture says um, in John's Gospel, chapter six, verses twenty-six to twenty-nine. Uh, this is what Jesus says. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and are filled. Do not labor for food that perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do? That we may work the works of God. And what, did he, what does he say? Verse 29. This is the work of God, Jesus said, that you believe in him whom God sent. That's all you need to do. That's where Christian life starts. It starts by entering into what we call as God's rest. That God provides for us in a son. Christian life does not begin with a do. Christian life begins with a big done. It's already done. It's already done. It's finished work of Jesus on the cross. Something that God already accomplished for us on the cross. And this upsets the religious person. Both Orthodox Jews and many, many Orthodox Muslims also, they get upset. You mean to say that this God will accept you and all the sins of this world will be put on him and it doesn't matter what kind of a life you have lived, he will accept you just the way you are? No, 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 no. This is absolutely antithetical to our understanding of God. Well, yes, God is holy. But who can? Come to the standards and live up to the standards of God. None. And you can never please God with any of your works. That is the reason why all your righteousness is as filthy rags. Righteousnesses. 
right? They get offended. But that is how it starts. It starts by resting in him. Who was a religious person in uh, in uh, the prodigal son story? Look at what it says in 15.26. Luke 28, sorry, 28 onwards. This is the elder son. But he was angry. <laughs> That's a problem. And he would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. And look at what he says. He says, so he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you and never transgressed your commandment at any time and yet you never gave me young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fattened calf for him. Angers. But you know what? This is how Christian, I'm not going to, I'm not expounding on that. We understand, we heard that message so many times. This is where Christian life starts. Christian life starts by entering into God's rest. So, how does it start off though? We have to believe in God. Believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So, when the Holy Spirit comes, what does he do? He convicts the world of sin. And of righteousness and of judgment. But what, look at what it says in John's Gospel chapter 16. We looked at it, but again we look at it again. John's Gospel chapter 16 verses 8 to 11. When he, or the Holy Spirit in this context, when he has come, he will con- convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment and verse 9, of sin because they do not believe in me. That's the ultimate sin. The ultimate sin of mankind is that they don't believe on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. They refuse to enter. They want to enter and please God by their own works. It's a stumbling block for the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. But unto us who are being saved, Christ, the wisdom of God and the power of God. So, this is exactly how even God created Adam. How how did God create Adam? If you turn with me to Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 27 and then 29 to 31. 26 first is enough. Then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle. Okay. And let's 29. 29 onwards. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then what did he do? And God said, see, I have given you every herb. It's for food. Okay. And verse 30 and 31. And you, and, uh, and also every beast of the earth to every bird of the air. This is your, uh, uh, this is your, you, you're going to rule over them. Verse 31. Then God saw everything that he made and indeed it was very good. You know how man's life starts on this world, in this world, when he was created? It starts from a commendation, with a commendation from God. You are very good. Very good. Okay, that is exactly what all of us, you know, deep down inside of our heart after Adam fell, what was our desire deep down inside of our heart? Everyone has this desire to be called good. God has to call me good. Somebody has to call me good. That is the reason why if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 19, if you if you will, Matthew chapter 19, we know this very well, but once again we look at it. Matthew chapter 19. Uh, 
just a second please matthew chapter 19 verse 16 onwards now behold one came and said to him good teacher what good thing shall i do that i may enter into that i may have eternal life see how, how many times he calls him good good teacher what good thing shall i do and so he said to him why do you call me good no one is good but one that is god but if you want to enter into life keep the commandments you know what the the uh, rich young ruler in this case he had deep down all these things he was doing he was looking looking at a, he says what what good thing i shall do and jesus asked him to keep the commandments and he know that he was keeping all the commandments from his youth but something was still lacking what was it something else is lacking in my life so that i can be called what good and jesus said sell everything that you have come and follow me be accepted and you will be called what good six things only no there okay but verse 18 and what are the commandments he asks and he said to him which ones you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery you shall not steal you shall not bear false witness honor your father and mother and you shall love your neighbor as yourself six things and then verse verse 20 the young man said all these things have been kept i have kept from my youth what do i still lack jesus said if you want to be what perfect okay sell all that you have give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven come and follow me meaning what i am the one who can give you eternal life follow me follow me believe in me and you will be accepted in the beloved that is reason why hebrews says labor to enter into the rest yeah yeah if you look at exodus chapter 20 verses 8 to 11 first this is the command for of sabbath remember the sabbath day to keep it holy six days you shall labor and do all your work okay but the seventh day is the sabbath of the lord your god it in it you shall do no work all these people and then verse 11 for in six days the lord made the heavens and the earth the sea etc and on the seventh day he rested so when did adam start his life on the seventh day by entering into god's rest with the commendation that he is what good now what happened adam sinned right adam fell now if you look at israel israel's exodus from egypt is a type of all of us right being saved from our sin from the penalty of sin and entering into god's rest look at what it says the same commandment in deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 12 onwards look at the correction if you will it's not a correction it's a kind of a correction if you will observe the sabbath day to keep it holy as the lord your god commanded you it's not correction it's a definition of what it means to honor the sabbath six days you shall labor and and do all your work and all these people in your house okay and verse 15 remember what 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 were you you were a slave in the land of egypt and the lord your god brought you out from there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm therefore lord your god commanded you to keep the sabbath why did he ask you to keep the sabbath day to make you remember that he brought you out of the land of egypt and he saved you 
notwithstanding the fact that you are an absolute slave to sin, you could never ever save yourself. You are powerless. When we were without strength, when we were ungodly, when we were enemies, when we were sinners, Christ died for us. And then what, did, what does he do? He says, we also joy in God through the Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have received the propitiation or atonement. He atoned for us and now once we enter into that finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, what, have we, what has happened to us? We have entered into what we call as God's rest. That is where a believer begins his life. We are reiterating this over and over again. I'll tell you why we are reiterating this, okay? I have scriptural basis for reiterating. So, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, will say, 4 to 6 in fact, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, raised us up together and made us what? Sit together in heavenlies, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is where we start. That is where the believer starts. Sitting. Sitting is a position of rest. You know it. So the Christian life starts by entering into that rest and be seating, be, by, by being seated positionally of course in Christ. Don't do one thing. Just believe in the finished work of my son. Humble yourself and submit to that work. What did I say? Humble yourself and submit. Very important, the word submit. Again, this is biblical. Romans chapter 10. Read from verses 1 to 4. Yeah. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And verse 4, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted. You see that? They have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. What are they doing? They are still trying. Still trying, 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 trying the level best. Therefore, they, they want to do first. God says, no. It's already done. So, all you need to do is submit you. Humble yourself saying that all that I have in my hands is absolutely nothing. All my goodness is not, in, is, has got no standing before your goodness. My goodness does not extend unto thee. Let us look at that verse, no? Romans chapter 6, oh, sorry, Psalm 16 verse 1 and 2 in KJV. Psalm 16 verses 1 and 2 in KJV. Hmm? Okay, for they, okay, sorry, 16, 1 and 2, 16, 1 and 2, sorry, Psalm 16, verses 1 and 2 in KJV. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust, O my soul, you have said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee. So you are so infinitely holy that whatever I do, but the religious mind, no, no, no. They are seeking to establish their own righteousness. So what do they not do? They do not submit to the righteousness of God. So the religious mind is so blinded because you should see, especially if you uh, listen to a lot of um, Islamic apologetics. No, Oh my goodness, you should see how blinded they are. 
It's such a tremendous humbling for them to come to the come to terms with the fact that all the righteousness that I've done all these days is absolutely nothing when compared to God. Difficult. My goodness does not extend to you. So you have to submit yourself to the righteousness of God. Go back to uh, uh, Romans chapter 10. So what, what does it say? Verse 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. What is the reason why they don't submit? Because they are ignorant. Of what's, wh- whose righteousness? Of God's righteousness. Meaning they are ignorant of God's standards. That is what it means. They are thinking that by doing a lot of good, they somehow will reach up to those standards. God says absolutely no. See, why do we go to coaching? Because we know the righteousness of, I mean, sorry, not righteousness of IIT. The standards of IIT we know. And we know (laughs) that uh, our simple intermediate college will not be able to give us the right training to reach up to those standards. Am I right? That is the reason why we go for coaching. Because we are not ignorant (laughs) of the righteous requirements of IIT. (laughs) If I have to put it in that way. Mm-hmm. Because every university has its own cut-off standards. So think about it. If a simple earthly institution demands so much from a student, do you think God has less standards? And do you think in your own strength you will be able to reach the standards of God? <laughs> you should be vain man. You should be proud. That is the reason why they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not what? Submit to the righteousness of God. They did not come and say, you know what? We can never ever reach these standards. Why? Verse 4. How does it start? For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. You know, one man of God says it this way. He says, Christ for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ for righteousness for everyone who believes. He gives you his righteousness. If you believe in him, and you will be given God. That is the reason why the tax collectors and the sinners and the prostitutes are entering into the kingdom. But you you guys, you Pharisees will be outside. You know why? You are trying to still produce your own righteousness. God says impossible. Impossible, impossible, impossible. That is the reason why the Christian life starts from rest and not to rest. That is the reason why it says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6. Look at what, look at that place. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6. He says something. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us what? Accepted in the beloved. That word accepted is such a precious word for me. I'll tell you why. Every time I have to send a paper, I used to get one, one answer. What is that? Reject. And so many reasons. Dear Mr. Ijay Itakota. We have got so many submissions this year. Your paper is very good. However, the quality of the papers has been very, very high these years, this year. And we have not been able to accommodate very high quality papers also. And your paper also falls under that category of high quality rejected papers. So, reject. And then the first paper when I got the word accept was so precious. I know it. You should see the joy on my face. 
accept Baba. You see, this is, I'm talking about career. Relationships. One fellow desperate to get a girlfriend. Okay. Every girl he, he has approached, what did she, what did she do? Reject. And finally one girl says, accept, you should see the guy's face. The joy on his face. Relationship. Same guy who is seeking for a job. He sent his resumes to 400, 500 companies. Every, from every place he got what? <laughs> reject, 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 reject. And finally one company accepts. You see, you see ordinary company, ordinary conference paper, ordinary girl, when she or he or that company or that conference accepts you, how delighted you are. Think about a heavenly God, sorry, an almighty God who is so absolutely holy, righteous, my goodness, so set apart from this world. When Isaiah sees him, he says, woe, to, woe is me for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. That, that God accepts you. Into his beloved. And says you know what? You are good. <laughs> Not just accepted. You are what? Good. Because my son is good. And in, in my son you are what? Accepted. You are good. You start off with the commendation. That you are good. That's exactly what happened to that lady. How many husbands did she have? Five. And whom is she living with? Six. Six. What was she looking for? Craving for acceptance. Deep down inside of our heart, in every human heart, there's a craving to be accepted. And she was craving, craving, craving to be accepted. And finally, the ultimate husband comes. Where's your husband? I don't have a husband. Oh, I know. You lost your faith or rather your, uh, your bharosa uh, in an institution of marriage. You lost your faith in the institution of marriage, which I have ordained. Five husbands deserted you. The sixth fellow doesn't even believe in getting married. You also don't believe. So you are in a living relationship with the sixth fellow. What has happened to you? Are you happy? No. Do you feel accepted? Do you feel loved? No. You don't feel loved? You don't feel accepted? You don't feel anything. You know why? This, you will always feel empty because there's a God-shaped vacuum inside of you. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, God has placed eternity in our hearts and unless and until we find God, our hearts are still restless. Why? Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. So first you have to be accepted in the beloved. That's exactly what, oh yeah, exactly, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. Only God can fill that vacuum inside of our hearts. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 9. Look at what he says, Paul. But what things were gained to me? He talks about uh, about his credentials. What are his credentials? Okay. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Okay. Circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin. Okay. And uh, sorry, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin concerning uh, zeal. Uh, what sorry? Concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. 
concerning the righteousness that comes from the law, blameless. And then he says, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews. But all those things which are gained to me, I have counted loss. Why? Yet indeed I also count things, all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Why? Verse 9. And be found where? In him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay? So, first we start from rest. And why am I reiterating all this? Biblical, no? I have to be biblical as to why I am reiterating all this. So let us, let me give a biblical basis as to why I am reiterating all this before I go to the next point. Titus chapter 3. Let's read from verse mm, 1 onwards. 1 onwards. Let's read from verse 1. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities to obey and be ready for every good work. Be ready for every good work. To speak evil of no one. To be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. I like this. All humility to all men. Okay, this all humility, I will tell you exactly what it means. We will look at it in different translations, you will understand. For we ourselves, look at this. For we ourselves were once foolish. Second, we were disobedient. Third, we were deceived. What we were, we, we were serving various lusts and pleasures. Meaning what? We were servants or slaves of lusts and pleasures. Fifth, we were living in malice and envy. We were hateful and hating one another. Six things. This is what our state was. What were we? We were foolish. Foolish ka matlab? Unwise. <laughs> to put it in a more uh, euphemistic terms, in, euf- in more of a euphemistic term, okay? Um, for we were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, okay? What, what, is, what leads us to repentance? The kindness of God led us to repentance. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out. Who is that whom? The Holy Spirit. Whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, and now the biblical reason. That having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is our life. What we were, what Christ did. And then, verse 8. This is a faithful saying. What is a faithful saying? And these things I want you to affirm. Oh yeah, I want to affirm constantly. All these things. What are these things? That you were once what? Foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving lusts and of all, all pleasures. You were doing all kinds of things, but God in His mercy saved you. He gave you a new life through regeneration and poured the Holy Spirit upon you so that you may, ha- you may have His righteousness and not having your own righteousness. This is a faithful saying. These things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God, you all believed in God, right? And many of you have come to faith recently. Those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. You know why? To sustain in the path of good works, you have to constantly be affirmed. 
I'll tell you something now. We have our students in our school. In order to, to ensure that they constantly perform at the high level, we have to give them constant affirmation. You did well. Okay. Constantly we have to give them rewards. Oh, you worked hard. Okay, fine. You got 95%. Fantastic. You maintained 95% average throughout the last quarter. Fantastic. We are going to go to a place now. Okay. We are going to reward you. What are we doing? We are affirming them. So that they will be in the straight and narrow path. Called 95%. That's a straight and narrow path for them. So he's saying, for us also, he's saying, this is a faithful saying that these things I want you to affirm constantly. What are these things that remember your past life? Remember how God showed you kindness. Remember that you were not uh, declared righteous in your own works. God gave you righteousness by, by the washing of regeneration, by the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And he poured out the Holy Spirit upon your lives. Affirm these things so that you can maintain what? Good works. What does careful to maintain good works mean? We'll come to that spiritually. These things, these things are good and profitable to men. You constantly keep performing this. You know what they will do? They'll constantly keep staying on that straight and narrow path. That is the reason why you need constant affirmation. Oh, we have already heard all these things. Oh, you need to be constantly reminded. This is a faithful saying and these things I want you to affirm constantly. Don't Just don't give up. Okay, once you heard, you have to continuously keep on hearing. You have to con- constant, con- continuously keep on being affirmed. Affirm, 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 affirm. You see, a child needs affirmation and, and, and discipline, both. Affirmation and discipline. Affirmation and discipline. God keeps on doing that so that we maintain. We just don't maintain. We are careful to maintain good works. And what does careful to maintain good works mean? That is where we start today. The second part. It is what we call the walk of faith. Okay? First, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Onwards. By, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. What were you? Of yourselves, what were you? You were... I'll tell you, foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. This is what you were. And not notwithstanding the fact that this was your reality, what did I do? By grace, I saved you through faith. And I gave you the gift of righteousness. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But then, once I affirm this, what am I supposed to, what am I expecting? That you should be careful to maintain good works. Now look at verse 10 now. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, that is where the walk starts. Our walk starts by doing, by finding out what Good works God has prepared for us before the, before the, beforehand, and we should what? Walk in them. What were we walking before? Ephesians chapter 2. We'll say, we'll look at what uh, Ephesians will say. How was our walk before, and how should our walk be now? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Okay, we were what? Dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once Walked according to the 
course of this world. You took a lot of courses in this world. I'm not talking about uh, Java and uh, SAP and all the other courses. You're talking about different, different courses that we took. A course in deception. A course in manipulation. Okay, all courses. We walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. This was our reality. This is how we were walking before. Alright? And now, after God saved us, how are we supposed to walk? We have to walk in the good works that God has before prepared for us beforehand. Alright? You got that everybody? So, how should we walk? Is the question. Hmm? How should our walk be? And how to constantly keep affirming the fact that God saved you, God was gentle to you, so that you will be careful to maintain a lifestyle of good works. That your walk, in other words, will be consistent. That Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. We'll, let's, 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 let's keep that in perspective. Hmm? 6 9. Galatians 6 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't be weary. You shall walk and not faint. Okay. In this walk, in order to maintain a lifestyle of good works, careful to maintain lifestyle of good works, I'm constantly going to affirm the love of God so that you will be in that state and narrow path of walking in His walk. So how should we walk? So, there are five attitudes, not attitudes, five aspects or five dimensionalities of this walk. Okay, I'm going to mention briefly about these five dimensionalities, all from the book of Ephesians only. First, let us go to Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1 to 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk. How? Worthy of the calling with which you were called. Okay. Now, uh, if you can put it in KJV, it will be even more interesting. Put, put verses 1 to 3 in KJV. It's very interesting. Okay. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that he walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Your calling is your vocation too. Vocation ka matlab kya hai? What is your vocation? What do you do? Okay, that's what uh, they, they used to ask us. So in, in French, just we engineer. I am an engineer. That's my vocation. Here, I am a Christian. I am a guy who has been saved by grace through faith. I have been saved. I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. Therefore, what should I do? I should walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. That means, your walk should be in keeping with your vocation. For example, now, when I I talk to doc, pastor all the time, now I look at all the doctors in our ch, in our in our church, all of them very gentle, very kind. I was telling doctor, I was telling pastor, I said all our doctors are so gentle, so kind. He said that is a vocation. If you have a nasty doctor who is impatient, he is not walking worthy to the of the vocation that he has been called. But all the doctors in our church, my goodness, you should see the way they are gentle, patient, kind. At least that's what I have experienced. 
What I say, doctor? Doctor Luke is here. Many of them. I mean, not many of them. I used to go to some when I was when I was a kid. I used to go to so many other so many some hospitals like that. I went to railway hospital. Okay. Some of the doctors are so nasty there. Oh my goodness. And one doctor diagnosed me with polio. And my parents, poor parents, they had to cry for a few nights saying what happened to my son. They were so nasty. I can remember so well. <laughs> I had some calcium deficiency. And because of calcium deficiency, I had some, I was walking with a limp on my leg. And my father was looking at him. Why is Vijay walking with a limp in his leg? And he took me to the railway hospital. And they took all the x-rays and the doctor said, yeah, your, your son has got polio. And for several nights, my parents were, poor people, they were so upset. And then we went to another hospital. The doctor was so kind. And he looked at the x-ray, nothing wrong. There's only a problem with calcium deficiency. And he gave him a few calcium supplements and I was fine after a while. Look at me now. You see, there's a vocation with which you are called. And we have to walk worthy of the vocation with which you have been called. Where have we been called? We have been called to walk in Christ. That means we should walk with an attitude which we call as an attitude of humility. With a humble mind. In keeping with the vocation with which we have been so example, let me give you examples, okay? Second, first, first Colossians chapter 1, not, not first Colossians, Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10, look at what it says. That you may walk worthy of the Lord. Who is the Lord? The Lord Jesus Christ. Have you seen the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, you're a Christian. That means the moment they say, they're comparing you with Christ. So, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. How? fully pleasing him. And it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. First thing. That means we walk by faith and not by sight. First thing. That is our... So what is walking by faith and not not by sight? We know we walk by not looking at the temporal, but by looking at the eternal. That we have a perspective of the eternal. That was the last talk given by Ravi Zacharias. Remember? If you if you've seen this latest video, the last talk that he was giving, he gave four pillars, and one one of the pillars that he talks about, he says one of the ways that you guys have to live your life is by keeping eternity in your mind. Be eternity conscious, not walk for temporal pleasures. This life is not the reality. This life is only a shadow. The substance is something else. So don't walk for the shadow. Okay, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, first thing. Second, those who live according to the flesh cannot please God. Okay, therefore you should walk, how? In the spirit, exactly. Walk in the spirit. What is walking in the spirit? Hearing the voice of the spirit. Bearing, being fruitful, where? In Every good work. That's what it says, right? How should you maintain? You should, you should be careful to maintain a lifestyle of good works. And in order to do that, what am I doing? I'm constantly affirming what your reality was before you knew God. What you experienced after you knew, knew God. And therefore, after you knew God, this is your identity. What is your identity? 
a holy nation, a royal priesthood, his own special people who were once darkness, you were once in darkness, now you have been brought into light, you were once not a people, but now you are God's people. Oh my dear brothers, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. So that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Fully, just not half pleasing, fully pleasing. And how do you please God? By walking by faith. Second, by submitting to His ordinance as a soldier. That's what Paul tells Timothy. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus, endure hardship as discipline and don't be entangled with civilian affairs, but live a life which will please your commander. Who's your commander? Jesus Christ. Submit to authority, in other words. Submit to the authority. That is what, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Another place. Second, First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 12. First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 12. <clears throat> That you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. You should walk worthy of God, the God and the Lord. That's exactly what uh, Thomas calls Jesus. What does he call him? My God and my Lord. That you should walk worthy of God. Walking worthy of God, I'll tell you something. I'll give you an example, okay? Just an example, okay? Just giving an example, no? Uh, I gave you this example sometime back, but I'll, just to put this in context. Uh, there was this army general of Alexander. His daughter is getting married. He needed a large sum of money to conduct his daughter's wedding. So he wanted to really, really celebrate his daughter's wedding with a lot of pomp and show. So he comes to Alexander and says, Lord, I need some money. How much money do you need? 10,000 talents of gold. That is close to, let's say, 1 crore. Quote rupel. Immediately, he's so happy. Who? Who's so happy? Alexander. And he writes a check. I don't know what that check is those days. And he says, come on, release the grant immediately. And one of the guys who looks at it and he says, Lord, what is this? You know what? By asking me like that, he gave me a lot of respect because he thinks that I am very rich. His asking was worthy of me. Understand? That you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. That is your walk. So how do you walk? In keeping with this calling, the attitude, Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 to 3. That you should walk worthy with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love and endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is how you ought to walk, he says. Let me explain those things. What is that first? First he says, we should walk with all lowliness of mind. What does lowliness of mind mean? Turn with me to Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. This is which letter are we reading? No, no. Which letter are we reading in F before? No, I know. But which letter are we reading? The letter to the 
Okay, Ephesians. So just keep that in mind. Okay, so just don't forget the context. Now, Acts chapter twenty, verse seventeen. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. Now we are talking about that. What is lowliness of mind? He's going to explain this to you. Okay, and verse eighteen. Now, when he when they when they had come to him, he said to them, "You know from the first day." That I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you. Okay. Serving. Now, oh, KJV, KJV, sorry. It's all humility. Okay. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. How do you walk? With a humble mind. And with many tears and temptations. Two, three, Philippians. 3.12 Colossians. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. You see that, everybody? Colossians chapter 3 verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, and again it's humility of mind, humbleness of mind, meekness and long-suffering. This is how we walk. And in that walk, Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 will tell you what what exactly that walk entails. Philippians chapter 2. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem, what? Others better than himself. Others are more important than you. That's what it means. That we should no longer live for ourselves, but for others. Christ also did not live for himself, but he lived for others. You understood? That's the attitude of the mind. This is how we walk. How we walk? We walk with humbleness of mind. First thing, how to to walk. Second, in order to walk with humbleness of mind, we should walk with a renewed mind. What did I say? We should walk with a renewed mind. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 now. Walk with a humbleness of mind. Second, walk with a renewed mind. These are attitudes with which we walk. Okay? Or the dimensionalities of our walk. Explaining what the spiritual walk is. Verse 17 onwards. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord. That you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. How do, how do they walk? In the futility of their mind. You see? In the futility of their thinking. The thinking is absolutely futile. Let me give you examples. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 14, you will see a fantastic example of this. Let's read from verse 10 onwards. Uh, Actually, uh, verse uh, 8 onwards. 8, 8. And at Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. Okay. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So first they heard, he heard Paul speaking. And after he heard Paul speaking, he got faith. And Paul looked at him intently and he understood that he had faith to be healed. He said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. I like that. Hmm? Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And then, and Barnabas, they called Zeus. Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. 
So they gave titles also. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the city, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. They wanted to offer sacrifices also for Paul and uh, Barnabas. And now look at what Paul says. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you and preach to you that you should turn from these useless, vain, futile things and serve the living God. What is this pomp and show? So it's basically honor from men who made the heaven, the earth, the sea and all the things that are in them. That, that is how Gentiles do. They put you on a pedestal like that. That is futility. Futility of mind. And what happens? Their, their understanding, it says, uh, is darkened. Understanding is darkened. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18. Hmm? Their understanding is darkened. Okay. The Gentiles. Let me explain these things to you. Hmm? Turn to Jeremiah chapter 10 verses 1 onwards. Hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. This is talking about the Gentiles, okay? Thus says the Lord, do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Do not be dismayed at the signs of the heavens. For the Gentiles are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are futile. For one cuts a tree from the forest. The work of the hands of the workman with the axe. And then what does he do? They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not topple. They are upright like a palm tree and they cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot go by themselves. Do not be afraid of them for they cannot do evil nor can they do any good. That's exactly what has happened in these last days. It says some people walk how do they walk? Like, the, the, like, turn to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, you will know what it is. Let me explain this to you in the new covenant terms. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Mm, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, 17, 17. Yeah, onwards. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have for a pattern. For many walk... How do they walk? Of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. And who is their God? Whose end is destruction. Whose God is their belly. And all their work is for their belly. Either should be flat or family pack. That's exactly what is happening these days. And is the belly carrying them? No. They are carrying their belly. Have you seen that? This is exactly what he's saying. You decorated, you spent so much of money in this idol and you put it like this. And instead of the idol carrying you or this God carrying you, you carry the God. What a futile this thing that is. I, I tell you, no, you, you, if you make anything your idol, you will be under tremendous pressure to carry it. Tremendous pressure to carry it. To maintain that lifestyle. 
when things go wrong, it will not be able to sustain you. If you make your career career your idol, it will not be able to sustain you. Tell you honestly. Come on, gone are the days of job, uh, what is that? The job security. Who's job secure, hai, Baba? No job is secure. No, you know, even in central government, they have taken pension off. You know that? There is no pension anymore. Only some uh, some people who st- between between a certain uh, t- time when they get entered into the railways or central government, they are giving pension. Nowadays, no more pension. There is no job security at all. You work till you drop dead. That's how it is these days. And the problem is, the younger, I mean, more number of young people are getting into the workplace, workforce. What, what, what will they do? They will say, okay, Abhi, you're taking a lot of space. I can hire, like Pastor said, no, I can hire more people to do your work or per person, uh, I can pay less and employ more people instead of doing your work. They just lay off like that. It's a tremendous pressure. If career is becoming your idol, I tell you honestly, whatever your career, even if you are a professor, I thought professor's career is absolutely happy. No. It's now it's like publisher perish. Everywhere. It is not even like that in, 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 in central government institutions like IIT. Those days, professors used to come aram se, beto, kuch bhi karo na, na, nahi karo, kuch nahi farak padega. Aram se apko salary mil jayega or we have pay commissions and pay commission hikes also. But now, even in IITs, they have actually, what is it, what they say, they have adopted what we call as the Western mindset, tenure track professor. What is tenure track professor? You will be under tenure, you will be under observation for the first few years. If you have really produced some rock solid work, if you have done some, uh, graduated some PhDs under you, then we will make you permanent. Otherwise, we will not make you permanent. And you should see the pressure under which all the faculty is to produce produce papers. Whether they are doing really good research or not, we don't know. It's tremendous pressure. That's what the Gentiles seek. What do they seek? Job security. They carry the idol. Does the idol carry them? No. That's what they think. What are you going to do? What will happen to you? God says, forget about this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these things, what do, who seeks? The Gentiles seek, but you don't seek them. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? And what shall we wear? Another fantastic, uh, funny ways of describing idolatry. Go to Isaiah chapter 44. Let's read from verse uh, 14 onwards if I'm right. He, he cuts down cedars from, for himself. Who is this fellow? Uh, uh, an idolater, okay? And takes the cypress and the oak. He secures it for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants a pine and the rain nourishes it. Then it shall be for a man to burn, for he will take some of it and warm himself. What does he do? He takes some of him and warms himself. He, yes, he kindles it and bakes bread on it. Then he makes a god and worships it. He cut it. Some of it he used it for firing, I mean, keeping himself warm. Some of it he has used to make food. And some of it he took a god and he worships it. He makes it a carved image and falls down to it 
He burns half of it in the fire. With this half he eats meat. He roasts a rote. Roast and is satisfied. He even warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And next. And the rest of it he makes into a god. His carved image. He falls down before it and worships it. Prays to it and says, Deliver me for you are my God. That is the futility of idolatry. That is how they walked. Their God is their belly. They live for security in this world. We don't walk like the Gentiles walk, right? So let's go back now. Walk with a first. We walk with a humble mind, and the second we walk with a renewed mind. So how does walk? How do we walk with a renewed mind? Let's go back to Ephesians chapter four and verse eighteen onwards. Now, having their understanding darkened. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have become themselves, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness and greediness. And verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. You see, but you have not so learned Christ. Don't walk like that. If indeed you have heard him, You have been taught by him as a truth is in Jesus Christ. What should you do? But be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And start walking in the newness of life. Not in the oldness. So first walk with a humble mind. Second walk with a renewed mind. And what is? how do you walk with a renewed mind? Learn Christ. Not learn about Christ. Learn Christ. That is what we call as a doctrine of Christ. It is a life. Okay? So first, walk in with a humble mind. Second, walk with a renewed mind. Third, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice for a sweet-smelling aroma. So how do we walk? 4.31 and 32. Explaining it. Let all bitterness, anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice. So, how does this happen? First Peter, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word of God that you may grow thereby. Indeed, if you have, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. Right? So what has happened? That is what, that is what we call as renewed mind. You start drinking in the word of God and you do not conform to the pattern of this world, but you are transformed by the renewal of your mind. And you start walking now with a renewed mind and you start walking in love. That's immediately it shows. You will have love. And what is the ultimate aim of the, I mean, the, the, 
the symptom of that you are living in the last days, it says, the love of many will grow cold. Why? Because lawlessness will abound. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But we don't want our love to go cold, right? That's the reason why we sing that song, don't let my love grow cold. I'm calling out, light the fire again. Okay. Be how do we walk therefore? Laying aside all malice and we start drinking in the word of God. We grow in our salvation and then we begin to forgive one another. It says, go back to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 and 32. Let, a, let all bitterness, all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. First what? All bitterness. Remove bitterness far from you. How do you know? When you speak, you know how much of bitterness is there inside your heart. Bitterness. That's exactly what God does, right? He takes them into the wilderness for three days. And they start grumbling and complaining. What what is God exposing? Bitterness. The first place he takes them to is water, which is bitter. The bitterness outside is to show the bitterness inside, to expose the bitterness inside. So that we remove that and say, Lord, no more bitterness. Bitterness means what? Unforgiveness, in other words. That's exactly what he says. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, God in Christ forgave you. God did not just forgive you. God in Christ forgave you. Everything for us is in Christ. So if God in Christ has forgiven forgiven you and you have to be kind to one another, tender hearted forgiving one another, how long? Till it becomes a part of you. Seven times? Seventy. That means don't make 490 account, okay, number one, number two. Don't keep account. Just that, let that become a lifestyle. That's what he says in Luke's gospel. He says, how many times should a brother, should I forgive my brother? If a brother comes to you seven times in a day, Forgive him seven times. And you know what the disciples say? Lord, increase our faith. See, I'm telling you, relationships are hard. Especially the closest of relationships. One of the things that you have to constantly keep extending in your own family is forgiveness to your wife and forgiveness to your husband and forgiveness to your children and children should keep extending forgiveness to their parents. One family should be a forgiving family because they are a forgiven family. And that's exactly how a church should be characterized. No bitterness, no wrath, no anger, no clamor. Let all evil speaking be put away. Relationships are hard, tough. Every time the children of Israel were uh, uh, tested, you know what came out of their mouth? Bitterness. What What would they do? They would speak against Moses or against Aaron. Always against the leadership. Bitterness. Okay. Then you will begin to walk in love. So verse 5 now. Chapter 5 verse 1. As imitators of God. What should you imitate? As God in Christ forgave you, you also start forgiving. Like let therefore be imitators of God. Therefore, that's the reason why uh, Derek Prince says, he says, whenever you see a therefore, you should ask this question, why is it therefore? Okay. Why is it therefore? Because God in Christ forgave you. Be imitators of God. You shall be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. In what? 
in love. He is the one who puts, he sends his rain both on the just and the unjust. I remember sometimes, sometime back now, uh, uh, one sister asked this question to pastor. Uh, when you see beggars on the roads, should we give them really money? Because most of the times they waste that money. And our pastor looked at her and he, and he said, how much, how much, how many times God gave you so much of money and you wasted it? Did he not con- continue to give you money? She said, yeah. Just give. <laughs> he didn't stop giving you, right? Oh, they waste so much, so much of resources. How much God has put, put in your life? He's put your, put his son into your life and how much of his grace you have wasted. Walk in love. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Walk in love. Relationships are tough, but you have to keep at it. That is the reason why it's a long obedience in a single direction. It's very interesting about Enoch. It says, Enoch walked with God and had Ah, sons and daughters. Oh my goodness. He had a family life. And it is impossible to walk with God without walking in love. It's impossible. It's impossible for Noah to walk with God without walking in love. That is the reason why he's called water of, water of righteousness. A preacher of righteousness. That is the reason why it says, he says, uh, Peter Paul says, the love of Christ constrains me. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. I am under obligation to the Jews and to the Greeks, to the wise and to the unwise. And as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to those who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Why does he say that? Because he is constrained and motivated by love. Yesterday I was listening to David Wood, no? One is, he's my, he's my entertainment channel. Okay. Whenever I want to get entertained, I go to David Wood's channel. So, one of the questions people asked him, what keeps you going? He's been in YouTube for 12 years, by the way. He's produced about 1200 or 1300 videos, close to. 1300 videos. 1300 videos, Baba. Not easy. And they are all high quality, well thought of videos. You should see some of the video series that he has done. Remarkable videos. And, and you should see the kind of barrage of, uh, what do you say, hate mail he gets from the other community. The kind of abuse. So one guy in the comment section asked him, what keeps you going? And then in the comment section, there were so many testimonies of Muslims. Thank you, David Wood, for your videos. I heard your videos and now I'm a follower of Christ. I heard your videos and now I'm a follower of Christ. And he says, these are the videos that keeps me going. These are the comments that keeps me going. They get furious, but you know what? So many Muslims got saved. Recently, I heard a a testimony of a a lady from, uh, from UK. She's from Pakistan basically, but settled there in UK. And she was giving an interview. How she came to the point in her life and one of the persons who, uh, who brought her to the Lord, you know what he, what he used to do? He used to, 
he used to show her uh, the videos of David Wood and both, both she used to ask question so they would go to YouTube watch David Wood uh, David Wood uh, Wood's videos and he used to get so furious with him upset with him but slowly God brought her to that point and now she's a believer you should see what so powerful testimony she's got see what keeps you going love and they asked him why do you keep on because I love the Muslims and I want to expose their false prophet. It's a love of God which constrains us, he says. And it's very difficult when people are abusing you, calling you all kinds of names. <laughs> to continuously walk in love and forgiveness, not easy. And that is the reason why it is a long obedience in a single direction to sustain that walk over a period of time. What should we need? We need constant affirmation so that you can maintain a lifestyle of good works. Which is essentially walking with God. Did you understand that? So we need to walk in love. How do we walk in love? You know what? Every day say, Lord, Lord, I want to experience, I, I know that you love me. Experience more and more of the love of God. When you give forgiveness to others, when you release forgiveness into other people's lives, you will experience more of the love of God in your life. Okay. Not that God has not already forgiven you. He's already forgiven you. But you will experience more of his love. More of his forgiveness. The moment you start releasing forgiveness into other people's life. Release therefore. Let there be no heart in your life. No thought in your heart. No thought in your heart. That the day of jubilee is coming. The year of release. And you do not give to your brother. Right? That's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 15. What is that? That is the attitude of a son of Belial. What does he do? He withholds perfection. Uh, withholds forgiveness in his heart. Withholds forgiveness. Don't withhold. Okay. Walk in love. So first, walk with a humble mind. Second, walk with a renewed mind. Third, walk in love. Fourth, let us see the next one. Walk in light. <laughs> what does walking in light mean? Let's see that. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Eight to actually eight to ten, you can read that. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of life of light. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. This is what we call as the fruit of light, basically. Finding out what is the what is acceptable to God, the pleasing, acceptable, and the perfect beloved. Finding out what is acceptable to God. So how do you do that? Next verse we'll say, verse 11. I don't have to explain it in there. I just have to read. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. He who walks with the wise will become wise. Evil communication corrupts good, I'm sorry, evil company corrupts good manners. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Bring them to light. 1 John chapter 5. For chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1 verse 6 onwards. Okay. Why first 5 onwards? This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him there is no, no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Then, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, one another and the blood of Jesus Christ the Son will cleanse us from all sin. You see that? 
this is walking in the light. Bring everything. And even as we walk in the Lord, God is going to bring out more and more hidden areas in our lives. Who can dwell in the midst of everlasting burnings? The more you dwell in the midst of a, a preaching which is exposing all the hidden natures inside of our bring them to light, put them away. Okay, verse 19, John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 18 onwards, 18 and 19. John's Gospel, chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men, what? Loved darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. You know what, what the truth of the word of God does? It exposes what all you love in darkness. It exposes your pleasures. I still hold on to that. I don't give up. You love it. You have unconditional love towards certain things. God says, bring it out. I'm exposing it. So what? That is exactly the reason why we have to constantly keep walking with a renewed mind. First, you have a, you need to have a humble mind. That means a teachable spirit. Humble mind means what? A teachable spirit. Second, only a humble mind can be renewed. Because it has to be taught. Right? So, walk with a humble mind. Walk with a renewed mind. Walk in love. And third, fourth, walk in light. Meaning what? Let God, allow God to expose areas in your life. Allow God to expose areas in your life. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. Verse 31 and 32. Looked at it. In, uh, put it in NIV please. He who listens to a life giving rebuke. Will be at home with the wise. Wow. Wow. <laughs> He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home with the wise. And he who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever heeds correction gains understanding. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's the word of God. Let it expose. Bring it to light. It's not bring you condemnation. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world, but men loved darkness. They like liked it. So what should you do? You should go honestly before God and say, Lord, I like it. I like to do this. Take away the pleasure that is associated with that sin. And give me your pleasure. And you will, God will give you. And you will find pleasing God is more pleasurable than pleasing yourself. It will happen. Let's go back to John's Gospel chapter 3, verse 19 now. 319. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And verse 20, for everyone practices practicing evil hates the light and does not come into the light lest his deeds be exposed. In other words, he carefully guards them. He doesn't want to expose any of them. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Clearly seen. You don't have to be ashamed. You expose them. Expose the unfruitful works of darkness. Don't 
don't try to hide them. Expose them. Expose the unfruitful works of darkness. Let's go back to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And it says, And have no fellowship with, with the unfruitful works. No fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Bring them to light. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which have been done in secret. And then watch verse 13. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest is light. Okay. So hidden attitudes, hidden sins. Why is God doing it? Simply because he wants you to walk like the way his son walked. And he's not condemning you. He's convicting you. This is the condemnation. That light has come into the world, but men love darkness. And God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Okay? So God is not interested in cosmetic surgery. God is interested in your heart. That's exactly what he does with Naman. What does Naman do? Naman says, he goes to Elisha and he's expecting Elisha to come and put his magic wand and heal him. Elisha says, no, you have to go to Jordan. Seven times you have to do it, not once, but seven times. What is seven symbol? symbol? It is a symbol of perfectly humbling yourself. And how should you go into, into, into Jordan? Not with all your clothes. You have to take off all your robes and go there and dip yourself. You have to show what exactly you are. Isn't it interesting that when uh, you go to the priest to show your leprosy, if you show, if you have leprosy from head to toe, then you are declared as what? No, 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 no. You are declared as clean. If you show, if you have leprosy from head to toe, you know what? Uh, the priest will declare you. You are clean. I find it fantastic. That means you are telling the priest, the high priest Jesus Christ. Well, you know what you are telling? Lord, there is absolutely nothing good in me. From the crown of my head to the sole of my feet, what is there? Wounds, bruises, putrefying sores. You know what God says? Clean. You know why? You have exposed the unfruitful works of darkness. And you know what? You have a clear conscience with God. Okay, The blood of Jesus Christ, 9.14, Hebrews. Hebrews 9.14. What a beautiful verse. How much more the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. He cleanse your conscience. Absolutely clear. In the old covenant, it was not possible. The blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse your conscience and you have a clear conscience with God and with man. Endeavor to do that. That is what we what we call as walking in light. Is there anything in your life which your constant conscience is disturbing you? It's something which the Holy Spirit is pricking. Thank God. Thank God for that. He is not, not here to condemn you. Just bring it to light. Confess, repent, forsake. Walk in the light. Okay? Walk in the light. Walk in the light. And you will have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus will continue Continually cleanse you from all your sin. Your sin nature will be continuously 
being cleansed and the power of sin will become weaker and weaker and weaker in your life. That is the reason why Charles Wesley says, he breaks the power of cancelled sin and sets the prisoners free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood has availed for me. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing the great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King and the powers of his grace. And Sam is searching for that song right now. Are you, Sammy? No, you're not. Okay, no problem. <laughs> the moment I say some song, he'll search for that. Okay. Ephesians. Now let us look at the last way, uh, last dimensionality of this walk. So what? how do we walk? First, we walk with a humble mind. Second, we walk with a renewed mind. Third, we walk in love. Fourth, we walk in light. Finally. Fifth. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 15. Onwards. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. So how do you walk now? You walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. What is ultimate wisdom? When you keep eternity in your mind. That is wisdom. 315, 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 15. And from the childhood you have known the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What is scriptures able to make you? Wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It, has to, it is able to give you what? Wise is, is able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. But how do you get this wisdom? Next verse, verse 16. All scripture is prof- is given by the inspiration of God. It is profitable to, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. So whenever we go to God, we have to look for four aspects. First, we have to look for what? Doctrine. Second, we have to look for reproof. The third, we have to look for correction. Fourth, we have to look for instruction and righteousness. Then we will become what? Wise. See, all scripture is able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. How is it able to make you wise unto salvation? First, when you read the scripture, you should get what is is doctrine. What is right? What is the right thing to do? That is doctrine. For reproof, that which is not right. For correction, how to get it right. And fourth, for instruction in righteousness. How to stay on that straight and narrow path without again following. And then you become wise. Got it? That is what is walking in wisdom. So let us go back to Ephesians chapter uh, 5 and look at how he says, how do we get this wisdom? Okay. First he says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And how do you do that? First, by redeeming your time. Okay. How do you redeem your time? A lot of people say, no, I don't have time. Very busy with a lot of work. Simple. I'll tell you how to how to redeem your time. Do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Three things you don't do. And what will you have? You'll have a lot of time. <laughs> you'll have a lot of time. How are you able to do so much of so much of work? Because we have we don't do these three things, you'll have a lot of time. That is the reason why I don't have fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, rather Expose them or reprove them. 
your company very very important okay to be discreet in the way you spend your time so redeem your time meaning redeem ka matlab buy back your time and god said he will give you give back the years that the locusts have eaten right he's going to give you back but are you willing to pay the price absolutely you should be why you have to redeem the time because the days are evil first thing you have to walk circumspectly not a, not as suppose how do you walk in wisdom first you redeem the time because the days are evil second look at what it says verse 17 do not be unwise but understand what the will of god is how do you walk in wisdom by understanding what the will of god is and we know again and again we'll have to look at it most of the times so we'll look at it very again it says in second thessalonians chapter 4 this is the will of god your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality that is the will of god second this is the will of god in christ jesus that you should give thanks to god always third Submit to every ordinance of man. By doing so, you put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. This is the will of God. Are we there? Are we okay? Yeah, sure. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of God is. Know the will of God. And we know very well, at least certain things that God has said. This is the will of God, your sanctification. That you would be set apart to God. Third, first, how do you walk, uh, how do you walk uh, as wise? First, you redeem the time. Second, you know the will of God. Third, go to verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. That is how you walk. In wisdom. Because he is called a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Right? But, but be filled with the spirit. How do you be filled with the spirit? Next verse will say. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Let me tell you something. Even as you receive the word of God, by faith, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Understand that. You continuously are filled with the Holy Spirit. The moment you start receiving the word of God, Wherever the word of God is preached, whoever is preaching under the anointing of the Holy Holy Spirit, the moment you start receiving the word of God by faith, you will see the anointing of God being filled in your being uh, you you being filled up with the anointing of God in your life. That is the reason why it says in Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter five verse nineteen. Go there, First Thessalonians chapter five verse nineteen. What does it say? Do not quench the spirit. I'll tell you how you quench the spirit. Turn to Matthew chapter twenty five. And verse, uh, one onwards. Then the kingdom of God shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lambs and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Okay. Those who were foolish took their lambs and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lambs. And then what happened? But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And what happens? And the foolish said to the wise, 
give us some of your oil for our lamps are are being quenched. That's what it means. What is happening to our lamps? They are getting quenched. Why? Because there is no oil. So how do you quench the Holy Spirit? I'll tell you how you quench the Holy Spirit. By not continuously having a deposit of the Holy Spirit in your life. Continuously. Having the deposit of Holy Spirit in your life. Therefore he says, he who supplies the Spirit, how does he supply? By works of the law or by hearing which comes from faith? By the hearing of faith, right? By the hearing with faith, he continuously supplies the Holy Spirit. Alright, so how do you walk in wisdom? First, redeem your time. Second, know what the will of God is. Third, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And how do you be filled with the Holy Spirit? By not quenching the Spirit, but by continuously being filled with the Spirit, by hearing the word of God through faith. And that's exactly what has been our endeavor in all these days. Close to, this is my 59th session of, not 59th, 58th session if I'm right, 57th for me. 57th or 58th. Something like that. So you can imagine how many teaching sessions we have had. And what was our endeavor? That when you receive the Holy Spirit, uh, the, receive the word by faith, that you will experience the deposit of the Holy Spirit in your life. That is one way you get the deposit of the Holy Spirit in your life. Second, <coughs> Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God your God will anoint you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Ask God for a love for God's righteousness and a hating for lawlessness. Then, Therefore he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Walk in wisdom. And then you continuously walk with in these ways, in these five dimensions. If your walk is determined in these five dimensions, you know what happens? You will be able to sustain till the end. First and the most important, walk with a humble mind. That is what we call as a teachable spirit. Humbleness of mind. First Peter chapter 5 verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt you in due time. Walk with a humble mind, a teachable mind. Second, if you walk with a humble mind, you will obtain what we call as a renewed mind. So walk with a humble mind, walk with a renewed mind. And the moment you start walking with a humble and a renewed mind, you will begin to walk in love. In forgiveness with one another. And when you start walking in love and forgiveness with one another, you, what happens? You will be walking in light. You will have increased revelation. You know that? God is able to give you more revelation. Walking in light. You will expose the darkness in your own heart. Stop. God will begin to expose the darkness in your own heart. And the moment you see that, you put it to light, bring it to light, confess to God, repent, renounce and keep walking. And finally, walk in Wisdom. And how do you walk in wisdom? We understood three dimensionalities of it. First, walk by redeeming your time. Walk by understanding what the will of God is. Walk by asking God to continuously fill with 
Holy Spirit. So how do you ask? By listening to the word. One way you ask. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and you shall be open to you. For everyone who asks for the Holy Spirit will obtain. Amen? This morning, even as we have studied His Word, I pray that God will impress this Word in the deepmost parts of our inner man. And slowly, we will expound on it in more details in the days to come, giving examples, because that walk is important. Long obedience in a single direction. Okay? We affirm this constantly so that you will not give up or you will, you will be careful to maintain a lifestyle of good works. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you once again for this day. Pray, Father, that even as we heard so many days, so many things over and over again, I pray, Lord Jesus, that it will become a part of us and that we will continuously walk in love and in wisdom. But I pray, Father, most importantly, all of us will have a humble mind. A mind which is teachable. A mind which is open to life-giving correction. Grant us grace to that end, we pray. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.